Hello, and welcome to the Sermon Audio Podcast for Edgewood Church in Danville, Illinois. This week at Edgewood. All right. I want you guys uh, to take all of your thoughts about everything that's going on in the world today. Let's set it to the side for just a minute. Can we do that today? Okay. Um, I know the last few weeks I've kind of dealt with those things in connection with the passage of Scripture. But this time, today, we're just taking a look at this passage. There's something I want you to learn here. I'm hoping that you'll learn. And uh, we just kind of need to dig into it. Are you ready for that? Okay. Uh, let me read two or uh, three verses from the previous week just to give some context. Then I'm going to pray, and then we'll jump into this week's passage. 1 Thessalonians chapter 3. Um, verse 10, this was two weeks ago, as we pray most earnestly night and day that we may see you face to face and supply what is lacking in your faith. That's Paul talking to the Thessalonians, wishing he could get back together with them. That was two weeks ago. We talked about that. Then last week I talked about these two verses, 11 and 12. Now may our God and Father Himself and our Lord Jesus direct our way to you. So he's continuing that prayer. And may the Lord make you increase and abound, both of those, increase and abound in love for one another and for all as we do for you. And you may remember from last week that uh, there was an ancient uh, theologian that wrote about that verse and he said, Do you see what unrestrainable madness of love that Paul is pressing for here? He wants your love to increase and abound more and more. Now, as we move on, let me read verse 13. I'm going to say a couple things and then we'll pray. Verse 13 says this, So that He may establish your hearts blameless in holiness before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus with all His saints. So what I'd like to do is I'd like to talk simply, let's, let's just take a look at what this verse says. That's a good thing to do, isn't it? What's the text just say? What does it say? Right? Second, I want to take a look at some similar passages, see if there's other places that say the same thing that this one says. When I do that, I also want to tie it to some previous knowledge and think about those things as well. And finally, let's take a look at how that applies to our lives. So let's pray before we look at what the text says. Heavenly Father, God, I do thank you for this day, and I just thank you that we are here. I pray now that you would give, Lord, me the, the wisdom, the comprehension the understanding to speak clearly what your word says, not my own thoughts or opinions, but God, just what you say, let what you say be what I say. God, I pray that you'd be with those in this room. I pray that you'd give them the endurance of listening to hear what you have to say. I pray these things now in the name of Jesus. Amen. Um, All right, so first of all, let's just take a look at what it says. So notice... This verse starts off with a so that. Okay, now the so that ties back to what he said before. Think about what he said before. Uh, Unrestrainable madness of love. I want you to just grow and abound in love for one another and everybody. And then he ends that statement with a so that. Uh, So I want that to happen so that this other thing will happen. So the so that refers back to this other thing, this previous thing. And he says this next. So that he may establish, God may establish, plant firmly, strengthen, not a weak, flimsy stance, but something solid. What does he want to establish? Your hearts. 
The heart is the, the innermost being in Greek uh, literature. It's talking about the innermost, who you really are, deep down inside, so that he may establish who you really are in your, in your hearts to be what? Blameless in holiness. Be blameless. Blameless means free from fault or defect. Just what you think it would mean. Blameless. Nothing against you. So that you would be blameless in what? In holiness. Holiness, you hear the word holiness, I think most of you get the idea. But the word literally means to be set apart for God's purposes. To be blameless in holiness. Set apart for God's purposes. That you would be blameless in the set-apartedness that you have. Okay? Before who? Before everybody else? Specifically before who? What to say? Our... The judge of the universe. I mean, who of all sees clearly better than anyone else? God. When does he hope that you will get to this place where you will be blameless in holiness? When does it say? At the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ with all the saints. So Paul is saying, stay with me here. So that he may establish, I want you, I want you, he's praying, remember this is a prayer, he's praying that your love will abound, unrestrainable madness of love, like that theologian said, love abound more and more for, for, for each other and for everybody else. Praying that you, this unrestrainable madness of love, I want this to be true in your innermost being before God, the God of the universe, to be truly in your holiness, that you would be without blame, that you would be the real deal. And he says, I hope that you are this way by the time Jesus returns. Now, that's just what the text says. Does that make sense so far? Okay, let's, let's break it down a little bit further by going to some other passages, passages of Scripture that might say something similar. I could go just to the end of 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 23, which says something very similar. You see a lot of similar phrases in here. Paul says, now may the God of peace himself sanctify you. The word sanctify is the same word as holy, set apart. It's the same word in the Greek. So we're talking about the same idea here. That the, may the God of peace himself sanctify you, set you apart completely. May your whole spirit and soul and body, in case there was any confusion, be kept blameless. When? At the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Does this sound very similar? Now we start to get some hope in here. This is repeated in the same letter, but we start to get some hope, some, some, something that sets my spirit at ease. The God of peace himself, he's going to do it. In fact, the very next verse after this says, he who calls you is faithful, he will surely do it. He's going to do this. God is going to do this. Well, that's good to hear. Another similar passage, 1 Corinthians uh, 7 First uh, Corinthians, I'm sorry, 1, verses 7 through 9 says, As you wait for the revealing of our Lord Jesus Christ, who will sustain you to the end, guiltless, in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ, God is faithful by whom you were called into the fellowship of His Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. Again, we see the reality that God is going to sustain you to the end. To be what? To be guiltless. Compare that to Philippians 1, 6. I'm sure of this, that he who began a good work in you, many of you know this one, don't you? He who began a good work in you will do what? Will bring it to completion. When? At the day of Jesus Christ. 
But even this statement is followed by just a few verses later. First, or Philippians 1, 9 through 11 says this. And it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more. See, that sounds again very much like what he was talking about, right? With knowledge and all discernment so that you may approve. You may choose. You may decide. You may make that decision. You may make those life choices. You may approve what is excellent. Why? And so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ. Filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. You may approve those things and choose those things in your life so that it's not just something you've said, but it's something now that you've done. For what purpose? For what end? To be pure and, again, blameless for the day of Christ. Do you feel an issue with this? I mean, the more I read these verses, I'm going to be honest with you, the more I read these verses, the more it sounds like when I hear it, that God wants... Then I'm going to go, wait a minute, before I even say it out loud, let me think about this. this. This definitely has some competing ideas because I know that for many of you, I've been talking about for, for the last... How many years have I been here? <laughs> no, that's not the right number. It just feels that way. 11, I think. I'm almost to 11. Just a couple more months, I'll be to the 11th year. I've been saying this for, for years, like, Jesus is my righteousness. He's my one and only hope. When I stand before God, I'm banking everything on the righteousness that he earned. I've been saying that all along. And you might be listening to me going, wait a minute, Matt. It kind of sounds like you're saying, but I also myself need to be blameless. I myself also. And so then you get these competing ideas that feel competing. Let me give you another one. I want to increase that feeling of competing ideas. Now, some pastors, they would get up here and they would want to set you at ease and just take that all away. Not me. No. I want you to be really uncomfortable and go, wait a minute. I want your brains to be like mixed. Like, but wait, is it, what? Huh? Okay. Colossians chapter 1, verses 21 to 23 says this, and you who once were alienated and hostile in mind doing evil deeds, he has now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death, there's the gospel, in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him, if indeed you continue in the faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you heard. How do you feel about that if right there? Now, I know that for many of you, you have grown up lots of different backgrounds. Many of you, you, you hear the gospel message and you're like, you're banking it and I love that. I'm, I'm so glad. Let me give you an illustration here. Sam, this is what the cardboard was for. Now, I left out writing on here. I've got two puzzle pieces. Now, I used to like doing puzzles. Anybody like doing puzzles? I used to like doing puzzles. I don't anymore. I don't know why. I'm like, I sit down for like five minutes. And I'm like, this is stupid. I don't mind doing the edge. That's pretty easy, right? Do the border. You find all the like flat pieces that go around the outside. But then I'm done with that. I'm like, I sit there for a minute, I'm like, this is stupid. I can just look at the box. <laughs> okay. Now, 
Puzzle pieces, okay? I, I, I want to help you think through passages of Scripture because there's some more. For many of you, you know that the gospel message, when you stand before God, and I'm not taking the time to go through a whole bunch of passages for this because I'm pretty sure that everybody that's here, you understand that aspect, that Jesus is our right. When he, when he came to this earth, he died on the cross, he died for our sins. So that when I stand before God, I will be declared legally righteous before the Father. Because, not because of what I've done, but because of what he's done. So let this piece represent the, that gospel message. It's all him. Nothing is depending on me. For my righteousness before God. But then you start reading verses like what I just read. That word if feels like something very different, doesn't it? Can I give you a few more? And that build this piece up a little bit. Teaching of Jesus. He's talking about facing trials and tribulations. Specifically uh, in the end, he says, but, but the one who endures to the end will be saved. He actually says that in two different places in the book of Matthew. Matthew 24, 13, he says it again. I heard about Paul in Galatians 6, 9, who says this, Let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap, if we do not give up. Galatians 6, 9. Or the author of Hebrews in Hebrews 2, 1. Therefore, we must pay much closer attention to what we have heard, lest we drift away from it. We've got to pay close attention to what we've heard because we don't want to drift away from it. But you read in Thessalonians, Matt, that he will do it. You're right. But this verse is here too. Hebrews 3, author of Hebrews says this as well. He says, Take care, brothers, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God. But exhort one another every day as long as it is called today that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin, for we have come to share in Christ, if indeed we hold our original confidence firm to the end. Hmm. Those ifs are challenging, aren't they? Go back to our original passage. It sounds like this if holding firm to the end is held at being blameless. Right? Oh, wrong verse. I had that one thrown in there at a different spot. Oh, there it is. Um, no, I can go ahead and talk about that one. Um, and this reality is there as well. They went out from us. It's talking about the church. But they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. But they went out that it might become plain that they all are not of us. Hmm. Now, before I try to tie these things together, because for many of us, and this, this, this actually, this illustration works with a lot of different biblical truths. There's a lot of things that people go, I got this, but then they read a verse of scripture that sounds like something here, and they're like, <laughs> right? Uh, and then you know what a lot of people do at that point? I like this one. Right? We don't want to do that. Okay, now, those of you that have gone to church here for a long time, who in history did that, famously did that exact thing? With a literal Bible and a razor blade. 
Yes, if you don't know that story, Thomas Jefferson sat down with, he had two Bibles and a razor blade, and he went through and he cut out all the things he didn't like and threw them away. And they took all the parts that were left, and he had to have two, right? Because on one side, the other side, there's something on the other side. So like for the, this page, you would get these things, and then for this page, you get these things on this other Bible. And he took all those things. You can actually get a copy of it. It's called the Jefferson Bible. And I think, how many of us have done that exact same thing? Maybe not with a literal razor blade, but we have looked at passages of Scripture and gone, mm, I don't like that one. The gospel. <laughs> right? Now, here's the thing. Sorry. Here's the thing. What I believe is the correct approach to Scripture is to never do that. Would you agree? Now, some people, they make a second mistake. Now, I didn't bring a pair of scissors up here. But some people, then they start going, what I started doing earlier, they start going, there. Got it. <laughs> and, and even then, there's, there's things that are left out, right? We ignore little truths. Or if you go, well, I'm just going to cut a hole there and make it, right? Here's, here's a better way. Let me, can I suggest you a better way to deal with these things? You're not going to like this. This is going to be tough for some of you because you, you like the finished puzzle. Some of you, you're going to have to realize, I need a third hand. Some of you are going to have to realize that, that there, the reason why I look at these two truths and I go, those don't go together is because there is at least one missing piece. Does that make sense? Okay. I threw this illustration together this morning. Do you like it? The Bible isn't as poorly cut as this. I have become, and I hope that you have, the potential of becoming okay with not knowing this piece. I was sharing this with my wife yesterday before I had the cardboard cut out. I was sharing her the idea of this and, and she brought up an excellent point. She said, she said, in fact, sometimes this piece is the heavenly piece that we will not see until when we get to heaven. So there's, there's an element of this and so as you approach Scripture, the best way to approach Scripture, I believe, is to say, this is true. The gospel is true. In our case, the gospel is true. But I've got, to stick, I've got to endure it to the end. I have to. I need to be blameless in holiness at the end. But don't, God's going to do it. But I'm going to have to strive. Well, but, and see, some people don't like that. They, they go, well, it can't be... It, but they're both in there, are they not? They're both in the Bible, so they both must be true. And if I'm sitting here going, how can these both be true? The, the mistake, the problem can't be the Bible. What must it be? Me. There must be some 
element I'm missing in Scripture to understand how these things tie together. And you've got to, here's the thing, God has given me these two pieces for right now. And you've got to be okay with what God has revealed to you and believing and holding those truths for now. Now, I don't have a problem at all with digging and digging and digging and studying Scripture to find that missing piece. Go for it. But in the meantime, you can't ever go, well, I just won't think about this one. If the Scriptures say it, it must be true. So now, let me get back to our passage, because I think there's some supports for this reality. Back to what we were talking about. I think we see a glimmer of those supports in what Paul is hinting at through these. Did you hear him uh, in the one verse? He will do it. God will do it. 1 Thessalonians 5, 23 and 24 is that passage. Now may the God of peace himself, may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. May your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful. He will do it. One of my favorites that ties these two things together. And I'm going to show you this next one because this next one ties. Paul says these two things and he leaves the missing piece out. Okay, He's going to say both of these things right in here. And he's going to leave that piece out in the middle. Okay, Listen to Philippians chapter 2. Verses 12 and 13. He says, Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, I'm to, to the people in Philippi, so now, not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence. So when I was there with you, you were doing the right thing. And when I was away, you were still doing the right thing. Listen to these words carefully. What's he say? Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Work out your salvation like your life depends on it. Work out your salvation like your eternity depends on it. Why? For it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for His good pleasure. So we can say as Christians, I'm working, I'm striving to be holy blameless before God by, by having an unrestrainable madness of love for the people around me. I'm, I'm, I want to grow in that more and more. And I'm, I'm working on it every single day like, like everything is depending on it. But I also know that it, every little success I have, and I think that some of you will recognize this completely, and this will tie a little bit of that together. Some of you know this because you go, you, you look at how you are and the things that you do, and maybe somebody goes, I mean, God's really gotten a hold of your life, and, you, and they start talking about things you do. And what do you do? You go, that's not me. You see, you already know this truth. That's not me. That's God. That's God in me doing that. You know what I would do? I can't even say it in church. Matt would do, bleep. <laughs> But God, do you think Matt, now, Mom, don't answer. Dad, please, stay out of this. Ashley, you didn't really know me that much when I was a little kid. Would Matt have ever gotten up in a church and preached the gospel? Charity, you knew me. 
True. Yes. So would Matt so so me up here studying the Bible, reading the Bible, trying to explain it to people? Is that Matt? No, that's God. Now, I'm telling you during the week, I, I, I I'm work oh, sweating over trying to learn, trying to stay doing the right thing. You don't think I'd have Still, do you think that, that mat's still in there somewhere? For those of you who've been here with me for a long time, I've given a name for that mat. I don't know if anybody's going to, I think Charity might remember. But what was the name I gave for the mat? The old mat. Oh, did, did Simone remember it? I heard somebody say it. Jimmy. Jimmy Buffett. I would be wasting away again in Margaritaville. And so that little Jimmy, he's in there, man. He wants a smooth life. And, and Jimmy, he speaks up sometimes when things are going rough, and he's like, you've got to stop working. And Jimmy tries to use theology on me sometimes. Did you know that? You know what Jimmy says? Jimmy goes, man, you were saved by grace. God will forgive you. You can just do whatever you want because God's going to forgive you. Jimmy's a liar. <laughs> Will God forgive me? Yes. But, but there's something inherently that, that is displaying itself that's wrong in here. If you take the approach, well, I can do what I want because God's going to forgive me. You know what? You're, you're showing something outwardly that was true inside that you don't really, you haven't really come to the place where Jesus is my Lord. Because someone who has Jesus as Lord doesn't go, well, I can do what I want because God's just going to forgive me, right? What is what? That's displaying something that's a problem in here. G.K. Beale, a commentator, and I'm almost done, guys. G.K. Beale says this about this verse. He says, verse 13 in 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 13, he says, may not be a requirement of perfect blamelessness, but a statement that such attributes must characterize one's life. I'm reading slow because J.K. Bill's talking too smart for us, right? This godly mark, this blameless and holiness, this godly mark becomes a badge allowing exemption from the end time sentence of condemnation and allowing safe entrance into the kingdom. The badge is an outward emblem demonstrating that one has truly believed in the atoning death and resurrection of Jesus, which is what truly makes one blameless in God's eyes. I'm going to put one more verse up here. Explain it. Close in prayer. Ephesians chapter 1, Paul says something similar to what G.K. Beale says. He says, In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, so you heard, there's some point in your life you're like, I didn't really get Jesus loves me. Maybe that's all it was. Maybe that's the only part of the gospel you heard. Jesus loves me. Nobody else does, but man, I think Jesus does. Maybe you heard that word of truth. Maybe you heard, God forgives. Maybe you heard, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. Maybe you heard, for by grace are you saved through faith. 
It's not of yourselves, it's the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. And you heard that word of truth, the gospel, the good news of your salvation, that it's not depending on you. You heard that and, and believed in him. And some of you go, I remember that. Some of you know the day. Some of you, like me, go, I know a time period. <laughs> some of you know the day it happened. Some of you go, I don't remember. It's been, I feel like it's been my whole life. But do you know that there was a point where you heard that word of truth, the gospel, the good news of your salvation, you believed in him? And it says here, and were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it. Now, I want you to think about what this is saying. See, I cannot, I cannot go like this. I believed. Okay. Oh, there it is. I see it. There's my faith right there. Can any of us do that? No. So what, what, do, what does God give us so that we can know that we've received this seal that guarantees our inheritance, heaven, until we actually acquire possession? We're not there yet. So until we get the possession of the inheritance, what's the seal that guarantees it? Holy Spirit. What would a person with the Spirit, the same Spirit, as Paul says in Romans chapter 8, the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead that is now at work in you, what would that look like? It would look like a person striving to be blameless in holiness. So where does our confidence come from? Does, it, so, so does my confidence come from myself? Am I like, I'm so positive I'm going to heaven because I'm such a good boy? Is that what it looks like? No. My confidence goes, I'm such an evil-hearted person, and yet I, I see myself, this war is in me, and I, I, I'm still, there's times I want to go here, but then, but then I'm, I'm preaching. I'm striving in my life to be, to be blameless in holiness, to grow in my love for other people. When you start seeing those things happen, that is God's seal guaranteeing your, in your inheritance, especially the more you realize, like, that's not me. I'm a sinner, but I'm saved by grace. And we live in this life until the day that we acquire possession of it. And Paul's prayer, if we go back to the original verse, Paul's prayer was what? He says, my prayer is that you will grow in this love more and more so that the day that you, 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 you step before the God of the universe, that you will be blameless in holiness. That's what Paul's prayer is. That's what my prayer is for myself. That's what my prayer is for you. That you will, that you believed, but the Spirit has been given to you as a seal guaranteeing your inheritance. And my prayer is now that you will strive with, like your life depends on it. until the day that you inherit it. Now, if you're sitting here today and you're going, all right, Matt, I don't like that. I need all the blanks filled in of how those two things work together. I need that. Well, number one, I... 
You're going to have to be okay with not having everything filled in all the time. Can you be okay with that? Be okay with God, with, with believing what God has revealed to you. Okay, this, I'm going to strive for blameless and holy, but I, I, I'm trusting in God all the way. And just go, give a little smile. That's what I do. There's sometimes I get to think, this is totally not very pastoral right now. I'm so sorry. But there's times when I read the Bible and I go, okay. <laughs> Honestly, I, I'm, I have grown because, I mean, I used to, it used to drive me bonkers. And, and I, I think I've come, come to be accepting of it because I, I know that I'm not really all that smart or smart as I thought I was originally. Um, and I'm like, okay. And, and you know what? There's been times, where, this is the, ma- the amazing part. There's been times that I've, I've had these and I set these on the shelf. And I'm like, I just love both of those things. They don't really fit together, but I know they're both true. And I just love them both. And then later on, sometimes years later, a light bulb went on. And I went, oh, I get it. I see going to have to be okay with it. Uh, uh, if you're not, that's a, that's a tough place to live in, but I'm telling you right now, if God wants you to know that's missing piece, he will reveal it to you. He will. In the meantime, say, these are true, and hold on to them. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, I do thank you for this day, and I just thank you for your word. I thank you for the truths that we find in it. I thank you, God, for when you do reveal to us all the little missing pieces. Lord, I also thank you for when you just reveal the truths that we need to know for today. Lord, I know that there are some in this room that they needed to know again the gospel. That everything is riding on Christ's death on the cross to pay for all of their sins. There's not one sin that they ever have committed or will commit that the blood of Christ cannot handle in its entirety. And they rest in that. Lord, there are some in this room that have changed that rest in the gospel to laziness in the gospel and have potentially revealed that it's not really the Spirit of God in them at all. And some today needed to hear that prodding to work out their salvation with fear and trembling they've stopped doing that. Let them re-grasp that today because of their confidence in the gospel, that you are going to work in them, that you will complete that work that you started. Let us strive like our eternity depends on it. But let us also know that our eternity depends on you. I pray these things now in the name of Christ. Amen.